you know, when you when you think about it from like a societal standpoint and how we've evolved over time with food and, and all those things, you know, like way, way, way back in the day, having an abundance of food was a sign of wealth. Right. You know, and then fast forward a whole lot of times and World War II and people are on food rations. So food became a source of scarcity. And now that we can have that indulgence back, like what comfort is it giving you? What security is it giving you? I've learned so much over this first year of podcasting. And I wanted to share with you guys the 10 most life-changing lessons that I've learned this year. So I created a document and it's on my website. What you're going to do, you're going to go there. It's going to be 10 life-changing lessons. Click on that button. It'll ask for your email address so I can email it to you. Sign up for it because these life lessons radically changed the way I viewed my life and the way I started living. It helped me to get better in the areas that I've so desperately wanted to see progress and growth in. And because I know they helped me, I really believe that they will help you. And I wanted this to be a gift for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this gift and go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com to get it. It's free. And I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did from it. Today, we have an amazing show. And I just want to kick us off here a little bit with this idea of wholeness and well-being. I don't know about you, but I've often struggled with becoming physically fit, healthy, especially after I turned 25. It's like my body went kapoop after that. And through the process of trying to become healthier, I actually just developed more and more habits, became fatter and more unhealthy. Until this year, I lost like 40 pounds. And I actually thank the pandemic for that because I stopped going out to eat. I stopped drinking soda just in general and I lost a lot of weight. But now that things are back open, I've gained half of it back. And so today we're getting ready to talk to none other than a new friend of mine. Her name is Lisa. And um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of her bio with some amazing intro music right now. Lisa has over 10 years of experience in the fitness industry. She worked with diverse populations, including first responders, athletes, and adolescents. Her experience in the fitness industry also includes working with clients in a rehab from a variety of injuries, from spinal cord injuries to brain injuries, knee injuries, recovery from children to sports related, as well as joint replacement. Her focus has always helped her clients strengthen their own power and fitness routine, which is something I desperately need. She's PMA certified, Pilates instructor, senior trainer, certified CrossFit instructor. She is a paleo nutritionist, bachelor's degree in psychology, and a master's degree in human behavior. And if that's not enough, there's a lot more in her bio. But uh, why don't I just introduce you to the legend herself? Lisa, welcome to the Whole Person Podcast. How are you? Oh man, I'm doing fantastically. I'm like, this is a great way for me to kick off my day. Well, it's morning for me because I'm in California. It's like afternoon-ish for you. It, yeah, I, I think it just hit. Well, it's 11. Yeah, there you go. There it's you go. 11 o'clock. So, but we are good on my time here. I'm really looking forward to lunch. 
We're going to make street <laughs> tacos from, from the house. I always look forward to food. I tell my clients when I train, like when I teach classes, I'm often thinking about what I'm going to eat next. And I think that that irritates them a little bit, but I'm Italian. I grew up in a very um, culturally like specific Italian household. So food was a very big deal in our home growing up. When I, when I work out, it's like, I'm a, I'm a garbage disposal. I just eat and eat and eat. So I like when I tend to work out, I have to really get on a, regiment of food or else I'll just eat and then end up gaining more weight. <laughs> you got to make sure you're eating the right things, right? Because nobody is like working out that hard and they're like dreaming of a kale salad. Like right. get out with that. That's not me. There, Although there is one salad that I really like. It's an artisan salad. Okay. And what I do is I chop it up. I put onions in it, egg, broccoli, cauliflower, tomatoes, and I just peanuts like I just load it and then for my dressing what I've done is I took a jar of um, jalapenos and I emulsified them into a liquid and then I mix a little bit of that with some olive oil and then I shake the salad up super good but then I realized I decided to check the calories of everything combined because it's a massive salad it was a thousand calories for a salad. Yeah, but think about your caloric sources. Eggs, peanuts. Like, wow, we're lettuce, ripping the band-aid. Everything. Right? Like, I'm like a thousand ca- If you're doing that and you've just worked out for like an hour, I can kind of see it going that way. I would rather you do that than be in a fast food drive through line. Absolutely. So when it comes to caloric intake, this is something that I've struggled with because I was like, oh gosh, I just ate like half of my calories for today in the salad and I'm Mm. still going to be hungry. The caloric intake thing is, okay, first, it is a struggle for absolutely everybody. Everyone I've ever trained, caloric intake is a struggle. We get very, very hung up on numbers, I've noticed, be it uh, your caloric intake or even the number on a scale. You know, like I've legit had clients, I've made them hide their scale. I've made like their spouses or partners hide their scales. We get too hung up on things. The the calorie basically put was a number that was derived from a lab. They took a piece of food, they burned it, and the rate at which it burned, this is like the simplest way to put it, the rate at which it burned is a calorie. Mm. So the hard thing with that is that the rate at which my body burns food is going to be different than your body or the person next to me or the person over there or whatever. And it's going to be different based off of where we're at in our lives as well. Like chronologically age speaking wise, because you were talking about like in the intro, you hit 25 and it was just like, what happened to me? Right. I went from hunk to chunk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not a nice way to speak about yourself or not doing that. So the calorie thing is hard, right? Because then as you age, your metabolism changes and how you're burning food changes. How you're absorbing nutrients changes. So what do I do in that situation where, you know, I just had a, a thousand calorie salad. I ate half my calories for today, but then yet, you know, I'm still super hungry four or five hours later and then I've reached my max calorie because I've had some snacks and stuff, but yet I'm still hungry. Do I eat or do I just wait till tomorrow? Well, I can't just give like a blanket answer to that. So the first thing that, <laughs> sorry, Good point. Good the point. first thing that I would ask is, 
Are you having the salad right after the workout? Typically, no. Okay, like so the salad hours. is like a lunch or something like that? Okay. So I, also, I do intermittent fasting in, into like 12, typically. Okay. So is the salad how you're breaking the fast? Yeah, typically. Typically? Okay. So what I would... Are you, and you are drinking water while you are fasting? Yes. Okay. And coffee and like all those things. Yeah. Um, I do have coffee, but I don't do like the butter coffee. I, it, it tends to be more cream and sugar filled. Dude. <laughs> Evan. <laughs> no, that's the only way I like coffee. I know. And that, maybe I should just stop drinking coffee. No, don't stop drinking coffee. Your family needs you to be sane. Okay. Well, I drink decaf to begin with, so. Oh, sheesh. Yeah, caffeine and I don't get along too well. Oh, yeah, that's a normal response. So I, I just. It I, can make people very jittery. Yeah, it, and it ramps up anxiety for some reason in me. Well, yeah, because it's an upper. Mm-hmm. That can totally ramp up your anxiety for sure. I can definitely see that. Um, okay, well, the first thing that I would do then is <laughs> switch what you're putting in your coffee. So instead of. Oh my gosh. If you tell me you're drinking those like super processed creamers, we might get into a fight. Yeah. Probably like the snickerdoodle <laughs> and the, yeah. No. I know. I know. But Wean how, yourself how off of it. tastes so good? Because I'm because not a it's guy. full of stuff that your body doesn't need. <laughs> <laughs> Can you wean yourself off of it? Oh, easily. I like I, I, I don't have to drink coffee. No, 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 not coffee. You can keep with the coffee. I'm saying the cream, creamer that you um, put in there. No, I mean, I, I can literally cut coffee. Like, it's, it's, I'm not addicted to it. Um, okay. If I drink coffee, I like it with creamer because it tastes better to me. Yeah, I'm saying, like, if you cut, either cut it out completely or if you kept the coffee in, we need to switch the sort. You're liking it because it's sweet. Yes, I, I have a sweet tooth. No kidding. Eat all my cavities. <laughs> I'm dead. Um, I, I would almost say if you could cut it out completely, cut it out completely. Yeah, I can do that. Because those, yeah, that's unnecessary calories. I would mm-hmm. rather you have the salad. That's a better source of nutrition for you. Right. And I would almost rather you break your fast with like a liquid source of protein, like a protein shake. The reason being that your body is going to absorb a liquid source of nutrition first. And if you can find protein that has branched chain amino acids in it, that's going to help like build lean muscle. So whey protein, that's what yeah. I, that's what I normally Yeah. Do. Just make sure it has BCAAs in there. If you're not sure totally seriousness uh take a picture of the nutrition label send it to me and i'll tell you i'll do that okay i'm like i think i texted you my business cell number we should be good right i think <laughs> so. send me a picture <laughs> yeah i would almost rather you have that and then have the salad like midday but even if you ate the whole salad i wouldn't be mad about that like think about yeah, the calorie I, I i mean you know those like gallon tupperware Mm-hmm. square ones like I fill up full of a salad and I'll eat the whole thing 
Well, let's be specific. When you have a salad, you can't put a salad into a tiny bowl. Like that's a picky thing with me. I'm like, I need the big Tupperware or a big bowl, even if it's a small salad. It just makes me feel better. I don't know. Well, it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, and then like I said, I add eggs, like two eggs. Um, I like adding different nuts, um, just a whole bunch of different stuff. But what I found is that the olive oil is probably the biggest source of fat and the nuts. Yes, I would agree with that. But those are, those are healthy fats and you need healthy fats in order to burn calories. So I know people be like, people are scared of the avocado. Don't be scared of the avocado. The avocado is good for you. I hate avocados unless if it's guacamole. (laughs) Well, guacamole is a good snack though. When you think about it, corn chips. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> I got to go for I, like hard pack. No, I have a trick on that. So, um, I have a client and she's Latina and, and it's like the bola bread and guacamole chips, you know, all that because it's delicious. Like, let's be honest. I yeah. like bread too, but you have to create a relationship with food where you know that you can be satisfied at a certain point. Right. Mm-hmm. And that certain point, not being an overindulgence of the food. So what I would have her do is portion out her chips that she could have like a reasonable portion into a bowl and then close up the bag completely, put it back into the pantry and walk away from it, which sounds like this is insanely stupid, but here's the thing. We as people are inherently lazy. So if I'm having said snack and I'm sitting watching a movie with my kids or, you know, whatever, I'm going to have to mentally convince my body to get up, to go back into the kitchen, to get the chips out of the pantry and refill the bowl. And I probably won't do that. Whereas if the bag of chips is sitting next to me at my disposal, I'm eating the whole thing. Right. Like when do chips and salsa stop when I pass out or when I cut myself off? Right. Right. So I had her do that and then take because guacamole as itself is actually fairly healthy. Take other things because what you're wanting with the chip is like the crunch. Right. Yeah. And I think the salt. Yeah. And the salt. So you have to like substitute, but the salt's going to be in the guacamole. So you're good there. So what you want is like a solid substitute for the crunch. So jicama carrots you know slice up bell peppers slice up cucumbers and use that as a vehicle to get the guacamole in your mouth well with that being said where do you begin to learn about healthy food you know i mean i started with youtube luckily for me i for the majority of like i love salad i love vegetables um, there's certain things I don't like, like mushrooms, olives, you know, fish. <laughs> I don't like fish. I can eat a really good salmon and I can eat tuna. Those are the two, okay. the two fish that I, that I, really? yeah. I'm shocked by the salmon because salmon is extreme. Like a lot of people don't like it because it can be like a little pungent. It is very pungent. It, and it also depends on, so let me rephrase this. The specific salmon that my wife just bought from the store that's pre-seasoned and everything like that, that was really good, in my opinion. And if I put it on the grill, really good. But uh, for the most part, no. But tuna, I love tuna. 
I buy the dollar packets of raw. Okay. I love raw tuna. I can eat it plain. Um, raw tuna is delicious. Yeah. And I'll put that in, in my salad as well. Um, okay. One or two See, That's another good, healthy source of food. That's just my like, salad. I eat junk food quite often. And that, so how do I change my relationship with food? How do I go about from going from out of control, sweet tooth to having a healthier relationship with food? Because I got to be honest, like I see my, my five-year-old and my two-year-old relationship with food and it freaking scares me because I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are like, you know, they'll sneak. And I get they're young, but you know, my wife brought donuts home the other day. And then in a matter of like two hours, I was like, is this the same donut that you just keep snacking? And I went and go and I went and checked the box and he ate four donuts and he's two and a half. He just kept like sneaking them. Um, you know, so I, and while I'm upset about that and you're laughing at it, you're laughing <laughs> no, but, but their relationship with food is a reflection of my relationship with food. For sure. And so how do I change my relationship with food? It's on like a basic level, I would say when I, food, okay, I'm not going to start on a basic level. No, screw that. Let's go on to the deeper level. Hold on. Because here's the thing. Think about that. But here, here's most people's relationships with food. The whole point of this country is if you want to eat garbage, balloon up to 600 pounds, and die of a heart attack at 43, you can. You are free mm-hmm. to do so. To me, that's beautiful. That's most people's view of their relationship with food. Yeah. Ron Swanson, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a deeper thing, though. Like... You have to ask yourself why you need the why you need what you're going for in the first place. Food a lot of the times provides people a sense of comfort. You know, when you when you think about it from like a societal standpoint and how we've evolved over time with food and and all those things, you know, like way, way, way back in the day, having an abundance of food was a sign of wealth. Right. You know, and then fast forward a whole lot of times and World War II and people are on food rations. So food became a source of scarcity. And now that we can have that indulgence back, like what comfort is it giving you? What security is it giving you? You know, like I grew up in the clean plate club, like you cleaned your plate at dinner, but that came from you know, an old line of thinking of like, we don't know where the food's going to come from again. Like way back in the day, like my grandma used to rinse out Ziploc bags Mm. and reuse them because she didn't know if she would have access to that again. It was just like such an ingrained habit to her. So it was like, when you have the food, you eat the food. Now we have an overabundance of food and access to said food. And now we have food that can get delivered like super easy to our doorstep too. So we can be even lazier when it comes to food. Right. But we don't necessarily need all the food. So you have to ask yourself, why are you turning to that snack in the first place? It's like a much deeper psychological thing. 
And I can say this because, you know, I grew up, like I said at the beginning, in a really traditional Italian household, and it revolved around kitchen and food. Everything. Like, we would be eating a meal talking about when the, what the next meal was going to be as family. And I would consider us as eating really well. My mom is a phenomenal cook, but even then it was like, you ate what you had. You know, and now it's, I I look at my daughter too, like she has access to all the snacks and all the things all the time. So you do have to do that deeper dive of going, what am I getting out of grabbing, you know, the chocolate bar? Right. Why am I grabbing the chocolate bar? You have to look at that deeper underlying, like intrinsic motivation that's making you reach for it. What I encourage clients to do is like at the beginning, take we look at food. I usually have people track food. I have them write it down. I want to see what they're eating. I want to, and I want to see, I also have them associate like when they're eating it, what time of day and the emotions that they're doing with it. Right. Because like we talked about on our pre-call food and chronic pain can often go hand in hand as well. Interesting. Yeah. So I have them look at all of that and I go, okay, like no judgment, good, bad, whatever it is. Take all the things that we would put into like the not healthy for me category. What's one that you can't live without? Like if I were like, Evan, you were on a deserted island. All you have are these, this one food. You can have one bad thing. What is it? Chocolate. Yeah, but like get more specific than that. Like what's the one chocolate, the one thing, because chocolate can be extremely broad. Are you telling me a Snickers bar? Are you telling me a Dove ice cream bar? Are you telling me dark chocolate that you get that's actually not that bad for you? Or are you telling me a chocolate chip cookie? That's a great question. So I think my favorite candy is Reese's peanut butter cup. I mean, those are amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're good. (laughs) So, but then it would be, that's your chocolate, nothing else. Although there, there is this one chocolate bar from the dollar store for a dollar that's dark chocolate. It's so good. I just like let it melt in my mouth. You would have to like really, really narrow it down. What could you, it's not something that happens like overnight. It does actually take some like thinking and processing. So, okay. Let's do this for a second. Okay. Let's, let's, psychoanalyze my, my food habits here. I already am. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So here, here's what I see. I eat when I'm bored. Uh Uh-huh. That normally comes at night when my wife and I have had a hectic evening with the kids and it's like, we finally got them to bed. We finally got them quiet. Let's just sit down. Let's relax. Let's watch a little TV show. And then one show turns into two or three and then we also just snack while we do it. Like, so are you bored or are you decompressing? Uh, I would say decompressing. That's a good point. That's decompressing for us. Yeah. That doesn't seem like bored to me. That seems like uh, a decompression, like let go of your day. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, like it, it's the equivalent of someone having like a nightcap. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Um, It's not so much this way anymore, but soda used to be a big um, stress relief for me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
when I was really stressed out, I would drink soda and it would help me until I started having issues with caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still occasionally drink soda. Um, not as much anymore. I, I did quit for like almost a whole year once, which was last year. And then I was like, Oh, I could just have one. No problem. And then That's it's like, favorite. yeah, seriously. What, what an alcoholic is to alcohol. Sometimes I'm with soda, you know, and I, I can get easily jump back on the bandwagon. Like today, I'm going to be honest. I, I had a, I had a Mountain Dew slushy. Oh my God. For breakfast with a donut. Uh, I know. I, but I'm, I'm wanting to be real and authentic here. Not. not I appreciate I'm, you being I'm, real I'm and authentic. I, and I just, you know, I woke up, I just had this really massive craving for sugar. And wow. I just gave into it. And so. But then I wonder, like, what happened yesterday that made you crave the sugar? Interesting. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing is that a lot of the times when it comes to health and fitness, what we're doing is finding the Band-Aid solution, which is essentially what you did. You gave into your craving. And, and those things happen. But it's like the 30-day fitness program, right? right? So if you don't actually find something that is sustainable for your life, the quick fix will never work. You will regress. And then what that does to, and this is for fitness, nutrition, all the things, what that does to a person mentally when you regress is it makes you feel small. You feel really bad about yourself. You feel weak and. Yeah. You feel weak. You feel, you know, I've had clients tell me like, I'm so, you know, horrible, negative self-talk. I'm so dumb for doing this. I can't believe I did this. All those things that will come out of your mouth. Like we are so critical of ourselves and we're so fast to go to that place. And then the way to fix it is by finding another quick fix when I'm like, "Mm, we need to take it back even further. And we need to understand why you're making the decisions in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because if you can understand that, if you can say, okay, I know I woke up today and I was craving sugar because, you know, maybe yesterday was like super, super chaotic. I was on the move a lot. My body got super tired. I also know that you're in a state of healing right now, which puts your body under a different level of stress and your body's already working harder because it's trying to heal itself. So you did that. And I also know that you're not a huge caffeine drinker, right? Because caffeine does weird things for you, but you're trying to find a way to replace that energy source. So your go-to is going to be sugar because you can't do the caffeine. Right. Right. So then you're waking up and you're like, dude, I'm just kind of like tired today. But the way your body is processing that is like, I need sugar. I need to pick me up. Right. So I would ask you, you know what, what you put in place of the Mountain Dew? Well, that, that is a very rare example. I don't hardly ever, like four or five years ago, three years ago, even I was drinking a 32 ounce of Mountain Dew every morning. That's not the case anymore. I can't do it. Uh, And, and the slushy, I, at least these slushies, I don't know if they have caffeine in them or not. They have syrup, but that, that doesn't seem to affect the caffeine aspect. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the easiest things for me to go to versus a soda. Um, However, though, I was butt tired this morning. Like I was dragging out of bed 
And it was just, you know, I had to, I wanted to pick me up. You're right. And so I, I wasn't thinking about, okay, if I need to pick me up, what's a better source? So right. if I was going to break my fasting, I could have gone with my chocolate whey protein and my, you know, natural peanut uh, butter, you know? Yeah, the protein, protein is an amazing energy source and it's a very long lasting energy source. So if you can get a healthy source of protein, like we're good to go. But you're also human and these things are going to happen. That's the other thing that we tend to not think about. Like you're going to make poor decisions. That's just the way of being a person. So how do you go about forgiving yourself through this process and not, not giving up? Because I feel like so many times I wanted to give up because I just didn't feel like I could do it. Oh, that's fair. And you know, the, the hard part with that and what makes it more challenging now is that I feel like everywhere you turn, there's someone that you view as comparable to you that you view as doing better than you. Yeah. Like it doesn't take a whole lot to get onto social media, Instagram, whatever. And this is for me included and be like, holy moly, you know, this person also is doing the same things that I'm doing. And like, look at, they're all glowing and like energy and like all the things. We're not seeing the hot mess behind the scenes, but they look cool on camera. Right. Right. And what it comes down to is where's your head at with it? At the end of the day, I tell clients all the time, like, I will tell you everything I know. I mean, you know this, like we've been messaging for like the past week. Everything I know, I will help you out to the best of my capabilities. I will be completely transparent with you because I, for my own stuff, owe you that. But it's up to you whether or not you do it. Right. And it's up to you to figure out how much of a priority all of this is. Mm -hmm. Because it is doing a much deeper dive into why you want to make the change in the first place. Like, why does it matter for you? Personally? I think, I feel like things are are changing. You know, I I want to say my kids, but. You don't have to say your kids. Ain't nobody going to judge you. you Well, no, I'm saying I've told myself that for so long, but I don't think that's the truth. You know, not. and I think in part, I don't know what my motivation factor is. Although what I feel like it's becoming is I'm just tired of feeling hurt and broken at this point. Um, I can relate to that. I just, you know, not, not being able to run, you know, unlike this guy, but I can run like the wind blows. I can't do that anymore. I can't run like Forrest Gump. I can't, you know, I used to be able to run, but now I can't because of injuries. And, and I feel like because I've gone through injuries and because I've gone through pain and hurt, um, physically, I've really slacked off even more. And so if I could just feel, I just want to feel good again. Right. That's that. I think that needs to be my motivation or my, is my motivation. I just want to feel good again and feel free to like cross examine here. I can completely understand where you're coming from. It's a very like cliche, but it's not cliche. I'm sick of tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Right. That's and. I appreciate you being so authentic as to say like, this isn't about my kids. Like this is about me. I like that. And the reason why I like that is that you are taking ownership and accountability for you 
which means that it's going to be easier for you to take ownership of your own actions. Yeah. Like for sure. A lot of this for me, the element of my daughter is totally in it. I want her to have a good example of what it means to be a woman and have a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with your body for sure. Definitely. But at the end of the day, I don't do this for her. I do this for me because I also got to the point where you got to, where the chronic pain got to be too much. And what happens is you try to mask those feelings of pain with other things. Usually those things are not healthy things for you. And they make it worse. And they make it worse. And then it becomes this horrible cycle. And then you have to figure out how do I break said horrible cycle? How do I bust myself out of this? And it really comes down to what is your source of motivation? That, that, and I'm not talking the one that you're going to admit to me on camera because it's never that. It's always deeper than that. I'm talking about the one that your wife doesn't even know. No one knows. Maybe your best friend, if they're like that deep in it with you. Let's go for this. Psychoanalyze me. Let's try to pull this out on camera. <laughs> it's, it might take more than one podcast, Evan. Sorry. We, we can do more than one podcast. Like, what is that ultimate reason? When you see, when you close your eyes and you get deep into like your self-reflection state, whatever that is, you know, some people that's meditation, some people that's prayer, some people that's you sitting silently by yourself. When you see your best version of you, the best version, and it doesn't have to be the version that happens tomorrow. Maybe it's five years from now. Maybe it's 10 years from now. What does that version look like? What does that version feel like? I'm not talking about what you're doing for work. I'm not talking about what's going on in the podcast. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm not talking about your spouse. You. Only you. What does that person look like? And what do they feel like? And focus more on the feel. Well, I want to first start off with, and not to be comical, but it's my head on Chris Pratt's body. Hey, you know what? Dude has a good body. Dude has a great body. Dude yeah. probably also has a dietitian and a person who cooks for him. A trainer. So, and, and, and multiple trainers. And, you know, I've, and on that note, I've had the great, great opportunity to work with, you know, people who are at a more elite level when it comes to what they're doing professionally in those arenas. And it's not to say that their behavior is necessarily any healthier than yours. They just know how to turn it on and turn it off, like maybe a little bit more efficiently. Right. Well, that and he has more access. Let me phrase this. He, because of his financial capital, he has more access to things that I don't. Which right. can, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do things like think about what lunch is going to be because he goes down to his kitchen and lunch is there. Right. Those things have magically appeared, and he knows that he's paying someone to take care of that for him. And that if that someone doesn't adhere to whatever dietitian protocol he's on, they will get fired. So that person also has a motivation to keep things going so they can keep get their job. So it's a cycle, but it's a cycle in a different way. Well, and not only that, but then, you know, he gets more movies, he's more popular. 
Which means that that person keeps their job. Exactly. (laughs) And the other thing too, and not just to be facetious and funny about Chris Pratt, but the dude was fat. Mm -hmm. Like he was fat. Him and I had like, him and I, I feel like if there's any celebrity out there, him and I probably have the most similar body other than height. He might be a little taller than me. Um, I have no idea how tall he is. I'm like, I could Google that. I'm not sure either, but I'm just assuming he's taller than me. Uh, But realistically, like, you know, when he was playing Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec, you know, him and I have a very similar body shape. And so I think when it comes to realistic stuff, like if I could picture myself, you know, I don't want to picture myself you know, like Hans Once and Franz. I'm on. I'm Franz, and we are here to pop. You are. You know, I'm not Hans and Franz, but, you know, realistically, I could reach a, a level where Chris is. He's not 100% shredded either. He's, you know, he's healthy. And I think that's what I envision for myself. Mm-hmm. However, you know, one of the, the biggest things, though, is coming back from injury. I think as we get older things become harder to do. And so I was telling you in a pre-call, pre-call that, you know, I would start working out and then like my shoulder would, you know, start hurting for like two weeks and, and I'm doing like very lightweight. And so it's finding a workout routine and rhythm, which you have helped me with in the process to, to work my body in a place to start, being mobile, flexible, bendable, and to become overall healthy again. And right. so for people that, whether it's just lack of exercise or in my case, you know, three different surgeries in 13 months, you know, how do we, how do we ease ourselves back into this process? The easiest way to do it is and keep in mind like all this has to be cleared by a doctor so i'm going to explain myself and then i'm going to explain myself deeper so if you're trying to get back into it you need to find something that you like to do Mm -hmm. because if i tell you go do you know i say you're like super super into hiking but i tell you like no you need to go and do a spin class but you're like hate spin class you're going to make up excuses to not show up to spin class. But if I'm like, okay, well, let's exploit the hiking thing. You'll make the time for it. So the easiest thing to do is start with something that you like and exploit that. And then as those habits are being built, you can incorporate in other things that you like less because you know you already have that strong habit built And you also know that it has positive feedback, right? So you're doing the thing, you're getting the endorphin rush, and you're feeling better as a result. Mm -hmm. You have to start that positive reinforcement almost first before you start incorporating in the things that you don't like. Now, that being said, if you're the person who's like, I really, really, really like to run, but I just had major knee surgery, let's say, or... Yeah, I only run if I'm being chased now. Okay. Or you've, you know, had some other major injury and now running is contraindicated for you. Right. I'm not going to have you go run because what that's going to do is put more stress and tension into the body, potentially injure you again. And then that started a negative cycle. That's what we don't need. I learned that one firsthand 
after my foot. So the audience doesn't know, but I was in the military and I shattered, fractured and dislocated my right foot when I was 19. I didn't walk for a year. And when I was coming multiple surgeries within that year time, whole lot of physical therapy, it was all the things that's a podcast for another time. But when I was coming back from that injury and I was trying to figure out physically what my body was capable of and complete transparency, I would go and get cortisone shots from my doctor which suck and are super, super painful. And you're limited as to how many you can have. And then the cortisone shot that was supposed to last me, like however long I would go and run Mm. right after I got the cortisone shot to the point where my doctor figured out what I was doing and told me, (laughs) I love my doctor. She's an extremely assertive woman. She said, you are not coming back here unless you're letting me cut you open again. You have to stop this. Like she just laid the hammer down and was like, this is what done you by that. You're not coming back unless if you let me cut you open. What she was telling me because of how the injury was and where the cortisone shots was, were going was I was, I was taking advantage of the cortisone shots to be able to move in a way I wanted to move. And what she told me was if you're coming, if you're continually coming in for cortisone shots, you are telling me that your body is in so much pain that you need this to be able to adult, right? If you need this to be able to adult and your body is in that much pain, I need to give you another surgery to fuse bones together. That was what she wanted to do. Mm. But because she's an amazing, amazing doctor, she told me this surgery is a 50, 50 shot. 50%, it could go really, really well. Your mobility completely improved. You could run again. 50% shot, worse than where you are now. What gamble do you want to take? And I said, I'm not coming back. I didn't want to play the odds that I could end up 50% on the worst side. Right. So then it was me having to figure out where I was physically, not being able to run ever again. It ended my military career. That moment ended my military career. But it was it was me coming to that realization, knowledge of I need to figure out something else. And I need to let go of my ego. And I need to figure out what I can do on a consistent, regular basis to have the quality of life that I want. So that, me, nobody else. So that I can have, you know, the kind of life I envision for myself where I can go on hikes, where I can travel and have it not be problematic, where I'm not, you know, constantly on bed rest, having repeated surgeries, having other injuries as a result of this injury and other parts of my body taking over. It was like all the things. And it was a lot of time, trial and error to figure out what resonated with me. And people are not patient enough to do that. You have to be patient with yourself. And if you're coming off surgery, like I know you are multiple mm-hmm. on hugely weight bearing joints, right? Cause the knee, the knee, the appendectomy and then the tonsillectomy. Yeah. All not fun. <laughs> no, 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 fun. none of them are fun. Like anytime you're having to get knocked out for someone to cut into your body, that's not fun. Right. It's not fun. So When you're also coming at it from that point and that perspective, when you're still in a healing mode, 
you have to be that much more patient with yourself. You know, and I think not only do we have to be patient with ourselves, but we have to realize where we're at. Mm-hmm. I'm almost two years post-op from my knee. And what did I tell you when we talked on the pre-call? I was like, you tell everyone. You tell everyone. I'd, I've told them on our pre-call because I understand it's frustrating. Right. Because the doctor clears you after six weeks for physical activity. Right. So what that does internally is you're like, oh, I'm good to go. Right. But you're not good to go. Your body is still healing. And I told Evan, give yourself more time. Be patient with yourself. You have to understand the body's mechanisms of healing. Like, yes, six weeks, you are good to go to start incorporating things in again. But when you're looking at atrophy of muscles within the area where the surgical repair occurred, you know, how long, how long going into that injury or that, not that injury, but that surgical repair, were you not able to exercise to the degree you wanted? It wasn't like I had surgery six weeks, I'm fine. You know, if you're having knee pain for a year going into it, how is that impacting your behavior for the year going into it? And then six weeks post-op. So now you got to flush all the meds out of your body. You got to flush all the anesthesia out of your body, which takes a long time. That was, that was terrible. It's horrible. And it doesn't happen fast. Speaking, speaking, which, Hey, just, I, I almost, I sincerely feel like I almost had a heart attack post-op twice because of um, oxycodone. Oh, that stuff is gnarly. Oh my God. Like, I, so once I realized on day two, it was oxycodone that was giving me like such anxiety and panic attacks. Once I realized that. Heart palpitations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was completely having heart palpitations and I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Like they didn't tell me, you know, they're like, here, you're going to like this. I was like, okay, great. (laughs) Here. It, it, I cannot tell you the pain that it caused. And it lasted four to eight hours. Like I got, I learned how to meditate real quick mm-hmm. because the only thing I could do to keep, keep me from wanting to go to the hospital was sit in a dark room and listen to metal wave music. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could do. That being said, once I realized that it was that I cut off all pain meds and I freaking just gritted it out. Which is a good thing and a bad thing because then your body is also, pain meds can serve a purpose, right? It's giving your body the space to be able to relax, to heal. They also do a disservice, which is what you just described. And even bigger, leading into addiction and and all these other things that I know we're not going to talk about now. But then it's like you cut yourself off from it and you your body is still healing. So you go into a state of pain because your body is healing and healing can be unfortunately sometimes painful. Right. So then your body is getting stressed because it's in this place of pain and it's trying to heal itself. And then what are you doing as a result of that? Right. How are you medicating yourself? And then that further impacts your relationship with food, your relationship with exercise, all these things. 
Because then you're going to be at the Dollar Tree buying the chocolate bar. When do you really need the chocolate bar? Probably not. Or could you get the chocolate bar and have, you know, the actual serving size of it, like a quarter of it or a piece of it or whatever it is. Right. And be okay. And put the rest of it away and know that you're not going to go to it at 830 at night. Some of it is like blatant sheer willpower. Some of it is finding ways to replace that food with something else. Yeah. You know, like maybe you start drinking like hot tea and it's decaf. So you're good on that. So, you know, take the unhealthy things that you have and replace them with a healthier option. Actually, that's one of my favorite quotes by Tom Ziegler. The quickest way to success is to exchange a bad habit for a good habit. Yeah. But the same goes with food. Mm Mm-hmm. Like take five unhealthy foods, take the one you can never live without, replace the other four with something else. And I would say even deeper than that, figure out why you need them in the first place. Do you actually really need them? Because the thing with it is, is that if you can cut out a lot of those really unhealthy, really processed foods for long enough, when you have the opportunity to have them again and you go to eat them, they don't taste the same. Right. But then you have to not create the habit again. Which all goes back to why are you motivated to do this in the first place? Right. I tell people all the time and they think that I'm crazy. Like, no, dude, if I could create a pill that you could take every single day, go with me on this, that you could be healthy, like blood work in your doctor's office, healthy, lean with muscles, eat whatever you want and never have to work out. I would have like more than Bill Gates's money. Mm -hmm. Cause you have to do the work and people don't want to do the work because the work takes time. And then you have to be patient with yourself and then you have to forgive yourself when you mess up. Right. So for all of you that um, are listening, this is Lisa. And so I've already had a few conversations with her and she's helping me behind the scenes as well. But you know how they say like never propose on the first date, right? So Lisa and I have been talking and I want her to come back again and again and again. I'm so uh, Because this is an area of my life I so struggle in. And I just want healing, not just in the food, but physically, like as we're sitting here, like, I'm just, my knee it's killing you. hurting so bad. Yeah. And I want healing in the knee. I want healing in my body. And um, so I know you already said you'd love to come on multiple times, but so what I'm asking you is, will you be my, uh, guru coach health fitness like yeah oh my god we'll just document this journey we'll document this journey i'm totally in for it because i i feel like this is something that people really struggle with and i i get it because i've been there i mean the foot led to a whole litany of other injuries for me yeah like it didn't it started there did not stop there and it is 
when you get into that place where your body is in chronic pain and I, I, you know, said the cliche, like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like that's so surface level to me, like me in my worst state, I felt weak. I was fatigued. I was completely demoralized. I didn't like how I look. I sure did not like how I looked naked. I didn't, I, you know, it, it impacted every single aspect of my life. Yeah. It there does. was nothing that was left untouched. Yeah. Including intimate partner relationships, friendships, all of the things. And I'm in the fitness industry. I am a walking billboard for what I do. There is an expectation that I will look a certain way, that I will eat a certain way, that I will do things a certain way. And for me, none of this is cookie cutter. Yeah. I don't want to shove you into some cookie. I know I sent you like swimming workouts and stuff like that. And I do have resistance band workouts for you. So don't worry, they're coming. <laughs> like they're coming. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's like, okay, let's try something. Let's see what works for you. What's going to help you feel better? Because I know that if I can get you to the point where you even, if you feel 5% better, that makes a world of difference. Right. Like what I view as 5% for you is 100% for you. It's that impactful. So what do we do to get you to that point? Yeah. And that is looking at the nutrition and looking what you're doing for the workouts. Well, and I think to you, specifically on my case, you made a point that I hadn't even thought about. You know, I'm thinking arthritis. I'm thinking go get another MRI, you know, all this stuff. And you're like, and you said, you know, what? it's probably just nerve damage. And I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Because... It's sensitive to the touch, mm -hmm. which are nerves. Um, it hurts in different places that actually never, well, I mean, technically probably all of it got touched, <laughs> you know, while they were in there, but in places that weren't really heavily worked on hurt. Right. Because you, you were in the operating room, but you were knocked out. So you don't know. As I know you said it was laparoscopic, but then there is, was an actual incision as well. Right, yeah. So, they did like two styles at once, or oof, same, same surgery. Which is gnarly in and of itself. You essentially had two surgeries in one. It was like a BOGO in the worst way possible. Right, and, and what, which is kind of funny because I, I also lucked out because um, the first they did the arthroscopy as a discovery um, mm. because had my cartilage not been good enough, they would have taken some out, sent it to a lab, regrow it, bring it back, and then do the whole other surgery and then add more cartilage. But my cartilage was good. And so after checking all the cartilage around my knee, um, which they took some out as well, uh, but I noticed once they took it out, it just pops way more. And so, the popping is okay as long as the popping isn't causing pain. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Okay. Yeah, thank God it doesn't hurt. Thank God. It's exactly true because that, that's a good point because before it did hurt. So that was probably the loose cartilage that was floating around and then they took out. I didn't think yeah. about that. But the, the other piece of it too, so you have like the actual mechanics of the surgery. So when they go in, what stuff are they moving around? Yeah. Sur I don't, I don't know if your audience has ever like 
watched. Do you remember when we were kids and there was a surgery channel? Yeah. Like, did you ever watch that? My older brother is a first responder and he used to watch it and eat pizza at the same time. It was gnarly. But what I got out of that is that surgery is extremely aggressive. Like they're not being kind and gentle to your body when you're in there uh -uh. at all. So they are moving things around. So that will impact your healing process. You also ended up with a cadaver ligament. Right. Correct. Yeah. Your body is still adjusting to that. It took me, and I didn't realize that with my foot. I've realized that now over time and getting to work more and more with a population who has seen massive surgical repairs. It took me about four years to get used to having, uh, I have cadaver bone and synthetic bone in my foot. It took about four years for me to like get used to that. Can you, but I still have nerve pain and my injury was in 2004. Can you run now? No. Okay. I mean, if I'm being chased and T-Rex is behind me, yes. In which case you also start running. Right. For fun. No, I can't. Yes, I can physically do it, but but then I can't walk for three days after. Right. So it's not worth it to me. And the pain is the pain. There's no pain during the action. The pain comes after the fact. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the pain is debilitating. And I am not in a place in my life where I can lay in bed and like chill for three days. But also that that I wouldn't be sleeping. Right. Like it hurts that much. It's not worth it. I had to get to that point though where I, I could say that. Right. Lisa, I want to, well, since this is the first one, we'll, we'll end with the same three questions that I ask every one of my, my guests, but probably moving forward, we'll change them up. Okay. In negative self-talk, what do you currently struggle with? It's more from a business perspective. A healthful life as a coaching business is not that new or not that old, I should say, in the online space. Um, I have been a trainer for over 10 years. The online space thing was new. And the online space thing came as a me wanting to help more people. So I, I mean, we can talk about my injury more later, but basically what it did for me over time, what I've come to understand is that it gave me what I view as like a second chance. And so me launching online and doing all this is, is me paying forward the things that were given to me. But in launching online and doing that, there is a great sense of negative self-talk when it comes to like me not being good enough in comparison to other people in this space. Like it's not growing fast enough. It's not doing this. It's not doing that. And I have to actively check myself and remind myself why I'm doing this, why it's important and who I want to be serving. So if I can do that, I'm good. What's the best decision you've ever made? To leave corporate America. Mine's about the street tacos. Hey, your wife's amazing. (laughs) Did you see me go yes and point down? Yeah, I saw you do this and you're like, one minute. (laughs) Um, 
I, I joke with my clients that I manifested my best life in yoga pants because I want to wear yoga pants all the time. I definitely did. I, I used to have like a case of the Sundays, you know, I would like dread work Monday and always be looking forward to Friday. And when I made the decision to leave corporate America to go into training full time, I had no job lined up, nothing. I had, my husband was completely behind my decision. He was the one who encouraged it. And he said, you are, every time I talk to you about your job, you're miserable, you're crying, you're stressed, you're sad. It's impacting my whole being. And he was like, why? Like, why are you going to spend your time in a space where you're like that unhappy? And, and I was training on the side at the time. And he was like, when you talk about that, you light up. You're so happy. Like you love it. Like you will willingly go and teach a 6 a.m. class because it makes you happy. But like waking up for a nine to five is like waterboarding for you. <laughs> what brings you peace? <sighs> right now... Oh man, honestly, the biggest source of like, when I actively need peace, I usually turn to music. I was a classically trained musician. I, that was what I originally wanted to do when I was a kid. Um, I wanted to be a studio musician and I did not go that route obviously, but music is still a huge part of my life and I still play and all that. So when I, I need that like very immediate moment of stress relief it literally is me going into my room closing the door and picking up my guitar and just taking 20 minutes or 15 or whatever it gives my brain something completely different to focus on i love playing guitar too i mean i'm not good at it let's be real like she's not getting any music contracts but (laughs) but i'm just kidding I had a guy who thought I was like the bee's knees and the shiznick and whatnot. And so he always encouraged me in it, which was really, really great. And uh, he had a really legit home studio. And so he always let me come and record and play and you know, try to encourage that gift. But I just, I sucked so bad. Ah, that's, it's an insane kind of talent to be like that musically inclined. I love it. The actual kind of cool part, not to like digress, is that I see that in my daughter. Like I come from a lot of musicians. It's it's very strong in our blood. And she started playing piano when she was like not even four. And she was reading music before she was reading words. And she has perfect pitch. Wow. It's amazing. That is cool. It's very cool to see. I'm very interested to see where it takes her. How can people get in touch with you, reach out to you, find more out about you? Oh, the easiest. So I'll give two sources, but I know you'll have them in the show notes because you're rad like that. So the easiest place is a website, which is a healthfullife.org. And everything is on that. The blog, there's food recipes, Amazon store, link to workouts, because I have my own YouTube channel, like all the stuff, it's all there. Um, the other source is my Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram and my handle is my name at Lisa Peronzo and one links back to the other, right? Cause they all have the links on all the things. 
<laughs> that being said, I did also send you a free workout guide as a thank you to your listeners for listening to us talk for the past hour or so. And this is when I get like my trainer cap on. So give me a second. So the workouts are workouts you can do from home. I wrote this with, I wrote this pre-COVID actually with the intention of helping the person who is extremely busy be able to find fitness out of their house. With COVID, it's turned into a whole other thing. But the point with that being, they are baseline level workouts, foundational level workouts, which means that you can make them harder, but you can also make them easier depending on what your goals are as well as what your body needs. If you get into it and you're like, I don't know how to change this. I don't know how to switch out an exercise, but I know I can't do this because my doctor told me I'm not allowed to jump. I want to add in weights and I don't know how to do that. Those are not questions that you keep to yourself, which is why you have the links to the Instagram and the website. Start the conversation with me. When people reach out and they have workout questions, I am the one who is answering and I will help you. Evan can personally attest to that. (laughs) Very true. Very, very true. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Me too. I'm looking forward to sending you resistance bands workouts. Absolutely. Oh, just so you know, I also have a TRX band here at the house. Do you really? I do. Uh, It's not hanging up, but I have the mount right over there. Okay. I, I do. I really like the TRX I do love me some TRX. We actually, I mostly train um, Pilates within TRX. Okay. Perfect. Look at your face. (laughs) I I, I do like it a lot. That's probably been one of the most helpful things for me, actually. I really like it. Navy SEALs invented it because they were bored. You can't get any better than that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. When I started this podcast, it was important for me to lead by example, that I wouldn't hide behind a fake mask acting like I've arrived and speaking from the mountaintop. My whole purpose was to be vulnerable about where I was, my failures, my struggles, and my successes so that I could be a bridge, that I could be a gap in this process of showing people how to change in the areas of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun, because that's exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I had a coach years ago, and he was the first coach I've ever had. And he did it for a very affordable rate because I couldn't afford anything more than what he offered me. But he told me this, Evan, someday you're going to get in a spot where you're going to be able to give back to others. And I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here and now that it's made affordable so that you can actually go through it. He goes, I believe in you and I trust that you'll do this. And so because of that, it resonated within me that at a certain point when I felt I've had enough hard knocks that I had something to offer other people, I would start a coaching program. And this is that. I am now starting a coaching program and I'm going to make it affordable because by the graces of someone else that helped me out When I was first starting my journey, I wanted to do the same for other people. So I'm going to offer a free 15-minute coaching phone call to anyone that wants it. You can go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com, and sign up for that free coaching phone call. 
And if you're looking to have a longer extended coaching relationship outside of that first 15 minute phone call, I have the prices right up front. I'm open about it. And I'd be more than happy to see if we'd work well with one another and can help you reach and achieve the goals that you have in life. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show.